to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Kristen Stoneking, the senior pastor here. And I'm Brian Adkins, associate pastor. Our mission here is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Ida Naranjo, and I'm a longtime member of this church, and I will be reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 8, verses 22 to 26, which is found on page 43 in the New Testament portion of your Bible. They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home, saying, Do not even go into the village. Holy wisdom, holy words. It's been such a long time since I told a Grandma Flo story, I thought, It's time. And I don't think I ever told you about the time that Grandma Flo got herself and me and her best friend Frida Farley kicked out of church. We were at a revival at World Harvest Church, which is a mega church outside of Columbus, Ohio. It was the 1990s, and televangelist Rod Parsley was just somewhere in his transition from humble servant of God to tele-evangelical celebrity, and he had recently begun driving around town in this big new Lincoln Continental with uh, a pair of Texas Longhorns strapped to the front. (laughs) And his worship services were being broadcast all over the world. Anyway, we were there in that revival, and there was a time in the service when Rod invited people down to the front for faith healings. And by that time in the service, the place was going. I mean, Pentecostal churches, they're practically running the aisles. And people were caught up in the spirit. And you know Grandma Flo, she was going to do what the spirit said do. And as she felt led, she started laying hands on the people around her in the congregation, praying and speaking in tongues, and people were shouting hallelujah and dancing. Well, that caught the attention of Parsley's henchmen, I'll call them. I think because it was probably distracting from the performance down front. 
Well, they came and told Grandma she'd have to stop doing that. Of course, Grandma was not a woman to be told to do or not to do anything. She could be asked, but she would not be told. And when she was in the spirit, she might have soon burned the place down. Well, you see where this is going. We were escorted out. <laughs> the only laying on of hands and faith healing allowed in Rod Parsley's church had to be done through him on the stage in front of the cameras. Apparently, Rod Parsley's people were threatened by what they saw emerging in the congregation, what I would call a rival revival. <laughs> but I think if Grandma could have got to Rod Parsley, she would have laid hands on him too. <clears throat> and I don't remember Grandma's reaction to all of this. I know it had to be some kind of righteous indignation. And looking back now, I imagine her saying something like, I've been kicked out of better churches than this. <laughs> Now, in my life, I had seen Grandma lay hands on hundreds of people. Many came back later claiming that they had been healed by the Spirit. And Grandma Flo never took credit for that. She just shouted, praise God, and she started praying again. And I saw those things as a child and as a teenager, as a young adult. And my skepticism grew over time. I wanted to know exactly how these people were healed. I wanted to see a doctor's note. <laughs> but then who was I to say who was healed and who was not healed by the Spirit? Whatever it was, something was changed in those individuals. Maybe they had a new look of hope or joy. Something was changed. I felt it in myself, too. I felt changed quite often when she prayed for me. I've been wondering about those faith healings lately since my dad's cancer metastasized and we were told that it's terminal. I've thought about all the people everywhere who've been praying for my dad, many of whom have laid hands on him, and well, the cancer wasn't healed. It got worse. It started me thinking about all those healings Jesus did in the Gospels, and it occurred to me that the Bible doesn't tell us about all the people Jesus didn't heal. Those who cried out, pass me not, and Jesus did not hear their cry. Or those who asked Jesus to let them walk again, though they had no legs. Those he passed by or those he prayed for, and they died anyway. We know about the time that Jesus didn't want to heal somebody. The Syrophoenician woman who came asking prayers for her daughter. And Jesus said no until until he, she convinced him. But that was a turning point in his ministry. It wasn't about his power, it was about policy. We know about the time Jesus showed up to heal somebody too late. He showed up too late to heal Lazarus. But then Jesus read, raised him from the dead, and that was to the glory of God. It wasn't about punctuality, but purpose. But then there's a scripture from Mark, the healing of the blind man of Bethsaida, the man Jesus healed halfway and had to try again. They brought the blind man to Jesus. Touch me now, I pray. Jesus led him out of town and spit on his eyes. And the man said, I see men as trees walking. But then we read, Jesus touched him again and his sight was restored completely. 
As I read this story, I have to wonder why Mark presented a story that seems to question the power of Jesus. I wonder whether Mike, Mark actually left this story in that we might see the slightest imperfection in Jesus. Perhaps in Mark's writing, the healing only went halfway and stopped there. Don't go into the town or tell anyone. And maybe some well-meaning scribe in the dark ages read that passage and thought, well, that can't be right. Jesus can't heal somebody halfway. And maybe that scribe jotted down verse 25. Jesus touched him again and he was healed. Mark alone tells this story. Our other gospel writers, Matthew, Luke, and John, leave it out. But they tell stories of healing of blind people as well. But it's always a one-shot deal. Immediate and effective. The gospel tells us that Jesus and his followers were hounded by cynics and critics who chastised and looked for the slightest misstep or failing. I heard one preacher say that Jesus' critics, seeing him walk on water, looked at each other and said, this guy thinks he's the Messiah? He can't even swim. <laughs> the writer of Mark's gospel knew his audience. Maybe the early church needed a story of imperfection to help them keep the faith. A story of one who wasn't healed or wasn't healed all the way might have given them perspective when someone in their life wasn't healed. That even so, God was still God. If you Google why doesn't God heal everyone, you will find countless articles detailing how it is your fault. Your lack of faith, your sin in your life, you're not praying hard enough, you're not using the right language when you pray. Must be true, I read it on the internet. <laughs> but it's not true. Prayer's not a fast food menu, your way right away. Prayer's opening ourselves up to God. And as terrifying as it is, sometimes the response is silence. As on the night when Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed and heaven's only answer was the silence of God. A terrifying silence. In those times, it can be hard to feel God's presence or to even believe that God is still there. And we might say it to our friends who weep with us over that silence. Where is God? When I arrived home just after they discovered the inoperable tumors on Dad's brain, I found him sitting at the dining room table trying to remember that scripture about, I know the plans I have for you. How does it go? It's from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29. I found it and read it to him in King James English, the only translation of the Bible ever found at mom and dad's house. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And dad said, that doesn't sound right. They've changed the words. And I said, well, not since 1611, they haven't. <laughs> but I found another translation online and read that to him. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, to give you an expected end. And that part stood out to Dad, an expected end. And I thought, well, this cancer isn't the end I expected for my father. 
and I could almost hear Grandma Flo's voice. Don't you know? Don't you know the end is not about how we die? For Christians, death has never been the end. The end we expect is to stand in the presence of a living God. As Job said in the midst of his trials, after my skin has been destroyed yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see God with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. If you thought this sermon was going to lead up to a tidy answer about why God doesn't heal everyone, get ready to be disappointed. I'm not sure that we can know. I don't know why God's miracles don't happen all the time. I don't know why God doesn't suspend the laws of nature for all of us to heal and deliver everyone in trouble and sickness and heartache. Maybe if God did, the whole order of creation would unravel. Christianity has fractured into two distinct camps around this, one with all the answers and one with more questions than answers. One contends that God does not heal because we, have, because we haven't earned it. The other contends that God isn't in the business of healing anymore. I find myself somewhere in between. We can't earn God's favor or demand our healings, but I can't help but believe that God is at work in the life of humanity and that healing still happens. It's one thing to stand on stages in spotlights and with all the theatrics and proclaim faith healings. It's quite another to live a quiet faith in our own sickness and counter the silence of God. And I would argue that the latter requires more faith. Do I think we ought to stop praying or stop laying on hands? Well, no. We ought to reach out to each other in every way we can. Call out each other's names and prayers every day. Seek healing and liberation for the whole world. We ought to pray until we get kicked out of somewhere. Start rival revivals. Keep laying on hands. One of the phrases my dad quoted so often in my childhood was from the King James Bible. It was not a deep theological discourse from Paul. A simple phrase that appears over and over in the Gospels that no one ever notices. It came to pass. It's the King James way of saying, and then this thing happened. But Dad would say, it came to pass. It didn't come to stay, it came to pass. <laughs> Whatever we're going through, we're going through. And that's where I find hope, that whether healing comes or whether we meet our expected end, God bears witness and places in our path people who bear witness to our sickness and our healing, our living and our dying. Pray with me. Holy God, you have placed us as treasures in jars of clay, fragile, breakable, temporary. Help us to know that your silence does not mean your absence. Open our eyes, not halfway, but fully. Not just with sight, but with a vision that allows us to see you at work in the world, even when our prayers seem to go unanswered. Even when the world says you can't hear us. Help us to walk with each other, to carry each other, and to bear witness to each other and to the world that you are still God, that your love is unfailing, 
and that our expected end, as much as our unexpected beginning, is in you. Yes, and amen. to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Brian Adkins, associate pastor here. We'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins Street at the corner of Napa and Hopkins. And I'm senior pastor Kristen Stoneking. If you connect to our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley. Jesus, 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 Jesus.